Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 5th. Devote less time than heretofore to being entertained by watching television, for instance, or by listening to recorded music. Commit yourself to doing things yourself. Don't work from ego, but offer yourself as a clear channel for the divine creator. Passivity is to creativity what floating on water is to swimming. And channeling God's grace is to egoic creativity what swimming with the current is to struggling against it. Swamiji said one of the purposes of his incarnation, in fact, I mean, one of the reasons of the, of the work he was doing was to help people understand a new kind of creativity, is how he put it. He said, a creativity in which we attune ourselves to a higher level of reality in which that which we are trying to create already exists and we just become a channel for it. I mean, that implies a certain uh, involvement with a, that we are all part of a greater reality, that ideas are given to us rather than that, that they emanate from our own understanding. There's also that implies a certain a different way of approaching creativity, that the primary requisite for being creative is attunement with a higher reality, rather than somehow gathering all my own forces and making it happen in my own way. So Swamiji is trying to help us to move toward it, and he starts at a very simple place. You know, begin, be less passive in the way that we approach our life. It's, it's, we're, we're living in a very interesting time because... We can, we can give ourselves the illusion of having really big experiences which are all vicarious. Um, uh, someone was talking to me about video games, which is not a reality I know anything about. My idea of a video game marks me to the time when computers were first invented and the first computer came to me. And I believe the game was called Pong. And it was ping pong, basically. This little ball would go back and forth. And that was like this huge game. Now, and then there was the one where the little guys with the little mouths would eat each other or eat something. Pac-Man, that was what it was called. I mean, I never actually played, played any of these, but I saw them. I saw the little creatures eating each other and I saw the little ping pong ball going back and forth. I mean, considering how far we've come in, in my adult life, because... I was already in my 30s when, when somebody gave me my first little Apple computer. It was a present. I mean, I'm holding it. It was like about that big, the little screen. Um, but what's happened since then is that through the electronic media, and I'm not, I'm not going to throw the whole thing out. That would be inappropriate. Here's a very interesting aspect of that that, that struck me. People used to, when the, and again, I know that the whole technology and the whole universe of these things is different. But there was a time when you would be watching a screen and you would be moving a stick. They called it a joystick at that point. I don't know if they still do. But you'd, you, you would make things happen on the screen. You'd watch the screen and move your hand. 
you would see the consequences of what you were doing on the screen. Here's something extremely interesting. Much of surgery now requires that exact same uh, skill set, whereas prior to that, the surgeon looked down at what he was doing, put his hands on it, used a knife, but now you send a camera in, or you send a laser in, or you use uh, sound waves, and you have to adjust something with your hand from what you're seeing on the screen. And you have all the, you have this whole generation of young people who train to do that as entertainment. I mean, it's a very small example of the fact that what has what is also an, the nemesis of our society has also brought other realities. So I'm not trying to be just one or the other, but the passivity that has set in and the idea in our minds that these passive entertainments or passive experiences or exceedingly vicarious experiences are actually the same as real experiences is creating an enormous amount of confusion. And it is, it is uh, having a very bad effect on our capacity to initiate, to be creative, to be in tune. Someone put it to me that with some of the video games, you can have such an intense experience and you can have the impression of advancing because you advance through these levels and you are developing a skill within this little box. But it's not a real life skill. It's not a how to get along with people. It's not learning to love more. You might gain something. As I say, I don't want to get in an argument about this. But compared to what it is to really develop yourself, we're very confused. Even watching television has become like an activity. What do you like to do? Oh, I like to watch television. I like to watch television. I mean, just really think about that. What are you actually saying that you like to do? I like to sit there. I mean, of course, art, literature, music. I mean, there's greatness. You can enjoy it. But Swamiji says, spend less time. He doesn't say spend no time. He says spend less time being entertained. And see, that's the other part of it. I don't have to put out any energy. I can just put out no energy. Time will pass. And all of us have experienced. There's even the phrase that I heard, the phrase binge-watching. We have no idea. We, we, we have no idea what's happened to our society. It's actually become normal. I had a young friend who, who made some reference to uh, the moral, the practices, the moral practices going on at his college mostly to do with sexuality and sensuality and relationships, which really sometimes are just, I don't even know what you would call them, but they're not relationships. And he just said something rather casually. And I paused and I said, actually, you have no idea how morally depraved what you described is. <laughs> it just I, I know it sounds normal to you, and it was normal, but it's morally depraved from the point of view of where our true happiness comes from. And see, that's all we're working with here. We're not here to sit in judgment. We're not, you know, we're not declaiming with a sign in our hand, repent ye of your sins, it's the end of the world, you know. It's nothing like that. It's not judgment. It's, how is that working for you? Is it, is it really, is all that time spent passively just being entertained, how do you really feel? You know, is it uplifting to you? Is it exhilarating? Do you remember what real happiness really is? Swami Kriyananda, in talking about his progression from childhood to meeting Yogananda and becoming his disciple at the age of 22, about the age of nine, 
Swami's, the, the bliss of his childhood for many reasons began to shift. One was that his health, he had a very bad health crisis at that point and was actually sent away from home to go to school in a better climate, which was Switzerland, because they were living in Romania. And he had to go to a place where he didn't even speak the language because they spoke French. He spoke German, English, and Romanian. But he went where they spoke French. He was nine years old. He was thousands of miles away from his family. And he was very, very unhappy. And also at that time in his life, he realized that um, the world he lived in was not the world anybody else lived in, especially exemplified by his father. And he began to realize that his father's world was the world everyone thought of as normal. And his world, where he would often go into altered states of superconsciousness, was not, was not normal. And he became quite concerned. And so from the age of nine until really till he met Master at 22, he was just struggling to find a place in the world. And just as he was coming out of it, just when he was turning his consciousness in such a way that Master could reach him, he said he remembered the happiness of his childhood and saw that the habits he developed of intellectual cynicism and um, uh, just a lack of faith, a lack of hope, he said it, it, was, it was making him miserable. And he remembered there was a time when life was joy. So we have to actually ask ourselves, instead of saying, which people do, well, everyone does it, well, there's nothing wrong with it, we have to ask ourselves really deeply and seriously, how is this working for me? You know, what do I really want to accomplish in my life? And what am I doing that is aiding that accomplishment? And what am I doing that's undermining that accomplishment? People often talk about sabotaging their own success, which is a rather complicated phrase that I, I never quite understand how we're going to find that. We can think about it much more simply. What am I doing that facilitates my aspirations? And what am I doing that undercuts them? And we don't have to go into deep psychological states about why I'm afraid of success or things like that. How am I spending my time? And it doesn't mean that you have to be training for your new job all the time. It's just spend less time in passive entertainment. Do, spend more time actually doing things. You know, even just cooking good meals for yourself. Making a little garden where you can grow some fresh vegetables. If you like music, beginning to take up, you know, a musical instrument. If that's not, you know, beyond your imagination to be able to do that. Just make sure that whatever time you're spending, and it's all right to watch a movie every now and then, you know, but if, if the only way we can think of to relax is to lower our energy and become dull and passive, then there's something fundamentally wrong with us. We need to go out in the fresh air. We need to walk, hike, exercise, develop hobbies, have friends, at least even reading you know, is a more dynamic experience than watching television. It uses different parts of the brain. It's, it's clearly demonstrated that it's a completely different thing to do. Take a, and right nowadays, you can take all these different online classes, learn to do poetry, learn to write. I was very, um, learn to write poetry, learn to paint. I was very amused by a friend putting up a, a picture. She said, this is my ugly painting. It was on Facebook and she was saying, I'm taking a creativity class, and the assignment was to do an ugly painting. 
And she said the point was to teach us to be, to be less concerned all the time about the result and more just willing to flow with the process. So just deliberately make something that's not aesthetic to your eye, but commit yourself to making the ugliest painting you can make. You know how people joke now about uh, ugly Christmas sweaters, <laughs> you know, just making it as bad as they can make it. I've been, <laughs> I've been working during this uh, uh, pandemic time in 2020, these spring and summer months, I just started making cloth masks. And uh, I, I ran out of fabric, or I, I was down to just a few patterns, and I was really bored. And I, I sort of asked people to send me if they had just pieces around. And I also asked for, for ugly and outrageous fabric <laughs> for children or for just for the fun of it. And my goodness, I got ugly and outrageous <laughs> fabric. I mean, some of it is just so appallingly terrible. It just that when anybody would make one, I have this print of, of cell phones, just in multiple colors, you know, and that's quite apart from demons and witches and trucks and. But all of it is deliberately in terrible taste, just terrible taste. But it's fun, you know. Somebody has committed themselves all the way to just doing something, just for the fun of doing it, and other people. So I'll make the ugliest face masks that I can make. And I know that there'll be people who will just enjoy wearing them. It's just a ridiculous thing that we have to wear. I mean, in the sense, not ridiculous, don't misunderstand me, not ridiculous at all why we're wearing them. But it's just something that is not common to us. So let's have fun with it. Let's commit ourselves in a dynamic way. And then Swami talks about passivity is to creativity, what floating is to swimming. You know, you can just lie there in the water and depending on what kind of a form you have, uh, my body is, my bones are very light, and I can just lie there and I will always float. I've noticed that other people can, other people sink. It's just we're very differently made. But nonetheless, you're not doing anything. I swim for exercise, so I'm very conscious of after I'm finished, sometimes I do just lie there. It's quite delightful just to lie there on the water, but it's not swimming. And see, what happens to us if we get in the habit of being passive. That's why Swami says, devote less time than you did heretofore to being passively entertained and do things yourself. Just break the habit of thinking, I need to relax. I'm going to become completely passive because then when you want to be active, those muscles will be atrophied and the thought form will be in your mind that I can have experiences without putting out effort. One of the things Swami Kriyananda said about the deleterious effect of smoking marijuana, which was a big, I mean, marijuana has now become legal, it's a whole different thing, but during the time when, of the hippie movement when Ananda was first starting, but even still it's true, may not be physically addictive, but, but marijuana, Swami used the phrase, he says, it's, it, um, it takes away your willpower. And I experimented, they use the word experiment because I guess that means I didn't commit myself to it. I smoked marijuana at the time that everybody was when I was end of high school and early college. It was not a long period for me because I like my mind. I really like having a clear mind. And it was pretty obvious to me that what this did is this muddled my mind. And I had a hard time thinking that was any fun. But I did it enough to realize that if you smoke marijuana, doing nothing seems like a big experience. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, you know, you stare at a 
plastic bag and you're just like so interested in the plastic bag, you know. It's just like, it's just this big experience of the plastic bag. And you, you think something has happened and all you've done is stare at a plastic bag. So when you're trying later to do something, you have this really strong mindset that things just happen that I don't have to put out energy. So it's just, you, you, it's, it's, it's very, very bad for us on the long range to be passively entertained or to do anything that, that where passivity gives us the illusion of creative activity. It's a, it's a habit that must be broken for our own fulfillment. And then Swami talks about attuning ourselves to a higher power, swimming with the current. So he says, devote less time than heretofore to being entertained by watching television, for instance, or, or even by listening to recorded music. Commit yourself to doing things yourself. Don't work from ego, but offer yourself as a clear channel for the divine creator. Passivity is to creativity what floating on water is to swimming. And channeling God's grace is to egoic creativity what swimming with the current is to struggling against it. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.